online community. Let me get situated here. Ah, thank you so much. It's so great to have such a pool of talented people that we can use in our praise team. A lot of our people are traveling, saw you checking in online, and uh, we love that. A lot of new faces here today. Uh, Welcome to Creekside Community Church, and we're glad that you chose to worship with us. So we've been preaching through the lectionary, and today we're ready uh, for some passages from the New and Old Testament like we always do. And as you see, the sermon title is Consequences. But I want to, before we get into the scripture, I want to tell you, tell you a couple of stories. Uh, I kind of consider myself, you kind of have to be a storyteller uh, somewhat if you're preaching or telling the gospel. Uh, you know, the New Testament really is a book full of stories, so I like telling stories. Some true, some maybe embellished a little bit, but uh, there's nothing like a good story. But we're going to tie these to consequences. And uh, here's a couple, three for you. Uh, there were two friends, and this is actually a true story. Uh, it's funny to me, sometimes you've heard preachers preach for a while and they say, well, I'll tell you a true story. Does, does that mean everything you said before that was not true? No, this is actually a true story. There were two friends named Walter and Arthur, and they were both businessmen. They were both doing great in their careers and their vocations, but Walter was a little more of a risk taker than Arthur. And he wanted to, uh, he had an opportunity to come in his life to buy this parcel of land. And so he wanted to get some investors with him. And his, his best friend was Arthur. So he called him up one day and said, hey, listen, I've got this opportunity. Walter was a little bit more of a dreamer, too. I know some of you are dreamers out there, and some of you like to take the risk like Walter would. And so he called Arthur up, and he said, hey, take a drive with me. I want to show you this property And if you like it, I I wish you'd invest with me because I I have this big vision for something. And so he picked Arthur up and they drove out uh, to a place in California, kind of almost in the desert. And as they got out and looked at the property, I mean, it was scrubby. There was sagebrush and part of it was bottom land and everything. And Walter starts telling his uh, story of what he wants to do and says, I think I can take this and develop it in something huge. And Arthur looks at what he sees before him. He says, you know what? Uh, You're good at business, but I'm just not feeling it. I think I'm going to pass. And Arthur passed. Well, Walter turned out to be Walter Disney. And he bought that piece of land in California and turned it into Disneyland. And Arthur was Art Linkletter. Some of you are old enough to know who Art Linkletter was. And he missed out on that amazing investment. Can you imagine buying stock in Disneyland back in the 50s? It would have been incredible. You know, there's another story about a young truck driver from Tupelo, Mississippi, whose dream was to play the Grand Ole Opry. And he finally made it there. And he goes on stage and he does two songs. And the head, the manager of the Opry, after his second song, he says, what do you think? And he says, boy... I think you better go back to driving a truck. And so the manager of the Grand Ole Opry passed on a young Elvis Presley. Can you imagine what would happen there? Then there was four guys in a band, and they were really doing well. They were building a following, and they got an agent, and they wanted to get a record deal. And at that point in time, the best record label was Decca Records in the United States. And their manager goes to Decca Records and pitches these four guys who just are sounding better and better and better, and Decca Records looks at them and listens to them and says, you know what? 
we think guitar music is on the way out, will pass. And so Capitol Records sees the opportunity and signs John, Paul, George, and Ringo to, well, you know the rest of the story. They did, they did okay. Let me make it personal for you because we're going to talk about good decisions and bad decisions and how the consequences will turn out good or bad. There was this 17-year-old boy. It was his junior year in high school. He'd just gotten his car. He was driving a lot. He also had stumbled into puppy love with his first girlfriend. You remember your first girlfriend or boyfriend and how serious that is. Some of you may not have experienced that yet, but trust me, it gets real serious real fast. Well, she ran track, and he wanted to spend every waking moment with her. And she had a track meet coming up that was an hour away from his hometown. And he asked his parents if he could go, and they said no, because he hadn't been driving that long, and it was kind of a big drive. So he made the decision to tell his parents he was going over to his friend Scott's house for the day. And he drove to the hour away town to watch his new girlfriend run track. And that was going fine till Monday morning when someone saw him there and told his mom, who happened to be teaching school that he was at, and I got grounded for two months. (laughs) That was not a good consequence. You know, imagine just being able to drive. But I learned something. Our decisions are paramount on what happens to us. Not only did I suffer the consequence of being grounded, I had broken trust between my mom and dad and I. And so we're going to talk and look at scripture about how decisions people make affect the outcome of things. Our first passage is from 2 Samuel. Let me set this story up a little bit. David is king. The kingdom is going well. David has a son, though, named Absalom. And Absalom's feature, he was a handsome, good-looking guy. He looked like a rock star, if you will, because he had long, flowing hair. But Absalom, he was one of those guys that knew he looked good, thought he could look good, and thought he should have more coming to him than he did. He wasn't really happy being just the king's son in the palace. And so before the passage we read, he rose up in rebellion against his father, King David. And we know how much David was anointed by God. And so that is where we find our Old Testament story. The king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Atai, be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. This is David saying, be gentle with my son for my father's sake, him being the father, David. And all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. David's army marched out to the city to fight Israel, and the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. There Israel's troops were routed by David's men. What has happened, the nation of Israel have broken into two factions. They're actually having a civil war of sorts among themselves. That's why it says fighting Israel. The Israel's troops were routed by David's men, and the casualties that day were great, 20,000 men. The battle spread, spread over the whole countryside, and the forest swallowed up more men that day than the sword. Now Absalom, David's son, happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of a large oak, Absalom's hair got caught in the tree. He was left hanging in midair while the mule he was riding just kept on going. When one of the men saw what happened, he told Joab, I just saw Absalom hanging in an oak tree. 
Joab said to the man who had told him this, what, you saw him? Why didn't you strike him to the ground right there? Now, Joab is David's right-hand man. He is the hammer. He is the one that is loyal to David without question, will do, will march, will go anywhere David said. He is a mighty man of God and mighty man of David. If you remember, David's group was called the mighty men of David. Why didn't you strike him to the ground right there? Then I would have to give you 10 shekels of silver and a warrior's belt. But what's the guy's response? But the man said, even if it was a thousand shekels were weighted in my hands, I would not lay a hand on the king's son. In my hearing, in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Atai, protect the young man Absalom for my sake. And if I had put my life in jeopardy and nothing is hidden from the king, you would have kept your distance from me. Joab said, I am not going to wait like this for you. So he took three javelins, that's spears, in his hand and plunged them into Absalom's heart while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree. And, the ten, and ten of Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him, and killed him. Jump down to verse 31. Joab comes back to David. Then the Cushite, that's Joab, Joab, he said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all who rose up against you. See, Joab did not like that Absalom had came against the king, his ruler, David. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite replied, may the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. Look at verse 33. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, Absalom my son. Consequences. Absalom chose to rise up against his own father, his own flesh and blood, the true anointed king of Israel, and he paid the price. David would later write this psalm, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? You ought to underline that in your passage, in your Bibles. Praise God that he does not keep a record of my sins. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So we see that you've heard every reaction, there's a reaction. For every response, there will be consequences. And Absalom chose, rather than to serve his father, you see the symbolism there? He chose to rebel. Paul would later write these words, speaking to us as modern-day followers of Christ and to the followers in the Ephesian church of how to follow Jesus and not rebel. 
and how to walk in God's will. Ephesians 4, 25 through chapter 5 and verse 2. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. Watch this. Do not give the devil a foothold. I'll never forget, this is is way past now, but it's still a a great illustration. Many of you remember or some of you have heard about the tragedy that happened years ago in Columbine High School where the students went in and two shooters went in and shot up the high school. And as the police and the FBI did a forensic and investigative um, look into the two young men's lives, they found all kinds of dark arts all kinds of the occult. Can I say they gave the devil? I'm even really cautious, and I don't want you to think I'm up here preaching holier than thou, because I'm not. I need everything I'm preaching to me, but I'm telling you, and I'm telling you parents, and I'm telling you young people, watch what your eyes see and take in, because I, I will say this, and I believe this with all my heart, society in Hollywood is promoting more dark themes than ever before. There is as much demonic activity and darkness as ever. Somebody say Amen. It comes right into our living rooms if you turn the TV or the internet on. But the word of God says, don't give the devil a foothold. If you've ever been mountain climbing, you know those footholds are key to you climbing up. And if you lose your footing, you fall. Satan wants to take and weasel his way in to any way in our life. But Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. And then he talks to what's, he's actually addressing the church probably with some issues Timothy has told him. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, do something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I'm just going to, I didn't intend to go this way, but you know, in, in my generation, I'm amazed at the language that's acceptable now in songs and in movies than it was when I was 14, 15, 20. It's amazing. And even sometimes from Christians. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And now look at verse Thursday. Here's another one you need underlined. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll talk about that in a minute. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and here's where we're going with this. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering offering and sacrifice to God. Paul says, if you don't want to experience the consequences, then stay in the will of God. Stay in the walk of God. Stay in the word of God. And don't let these outside distractions take over. Don't give the devil a little bit to where you're kind of thinking more worldly than you're thinking more godly. Because it it is. I mean, honestly, it's a constant battle. I think distraction is one of the biggest tools Satan's using today just to get us off point, just to get us off our walk of faith. So let's, let's break it out into some life applications. Number one, going against the good intentions of God can lead us 
and the bad consequences. The good intentions in Absalom's life was just to be the prince. All Absalom had to do was be David's son. He had the palace. He had the authority. He probably had everything at his beck and call, but he said, no, I can do my dad's job better than he can. Does that sound familiar sometimes with us and our father? I think I can make better decisions for my life than my father in heaven who happened to frame the universe and raise the dead. I, I think I can handle this. Maybe I'll let you in on it, God. And look at our verse. For the wages of sin is death. If you, keep, if you, if you stay in habitual or continual sin, you're going to first have a spiritual death and then you may have a physical death. And you may have a physical death and if you're not in Jesus, you know what happens there. But the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. Sometimes I don't think maybe the church, maybe pastors, preachers have held back telling the hard truths. Wages of sin is death. You know, if you don't accept Jesus, there's damnation. If you accept Jesus, there's eternal life. There's, there's no middle like I said, there's no gray areas. You're saved or you're unsaved. You're lost or you're found. You're walking in darkness or you're walking in light. Jesus doesn't, you know, my life, you know, ladies, you can't be kind of pregnant. You're pregnant or you're not. You're a child of God or you're a child of the world. It's not going to be that way on judgment day where he says, well, you got a little bit of in you. I think I'll let you in. No, this one belongs to me. Enter in. Well done, good and faithful servant. Remember the other passage? Jesus is going to look at people and they're going to say, hey, Jesus, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? Didn't I show up here? So, and Jesus is going to look at him and say, you know, I'm sorry. And I, I, I've come to interpret that passage this way. You know, the passage reads, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. You know what I think he's really saying there? You know what I believe he's really saying? I don't recognize you as my disciple. Think about that. Because what did he command us to do? Go make disciples. Teaching them, baptizing them in my name. Jesus wants followers. Jesus wants disciples. And on that day, you're either going to be a follower, disciple of Jesus, or you're going to be cast with the rest of the ungodly. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift, and it's free. You want consequences? Choose life. Are you, tell, you know, I, are you telling me with all my sinful nature and all the stuff and junk I have going on and have in my past, if I will just confess that Jesus is Lord, I can have life everlasting? Yes. Yes, I'm saying that because God says that. Choose life. Number two. If we wander from the protection and provision of the palace, we leave the providence of God. I say it again. It's what Absalom did. If we wander from the protection and the provision, we leave the providence of God. We have a New Testament story like that, don't we? One of the sons rose up and said, hey, dad, I'm tired of waiting. I want what's mine now. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to Vegas and blowing it on prostitutes and gambling, and I'm going to live it out loud. And he did. He left the palace. Amen? We know it was a palace. You know how we know it was a palace? 
You, you don't have servants unless you're doing pretty well. And when that prodigal son returned home, he called the servants. He threw a party. He killed the fatted calf. And Jesus told us that story to show us how God looks at us when we make bad decisions. The prodigal son's bad decision took him, when I preach it, I call it from the palace to the pig pen. You know, you can have, when you're in pig slop and, and other pig stuff, and you used to live in the palace, you can have an epiphany. And some of you, I don't know what some of you are going through, but that may be you, maybe not on that level. But, but I'm telling you, here's something you can think. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. My decisions that I've made have caused me to be out of my belonging. Let's say it this way. It's caused me to be where God doesn't want me. It did with the prodigal son. It did with Absalom. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways. Uh, that gets everything, doesn't it? Work. Marriage, parenting, community, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What will you do, God? And he will make your path straight. Are you looking at a speed bump in your life? Are you looking at obstacles in your life? My first question to you, are you acknowledging him in every way you can? In your marriage, in your work, in your daily life, in your family, Whatever's in your hands to do and be influential, do you give glory, praise, and honor to God? Because the Word of God says, if you do, it's straight. There's no side distractions. God just opens the door through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's our next one. If we limit, if we suppress, if we put a lid on the Holy Spirit and the gifts He's given inside us, we then fall into the path of sin and disobedience to God. And there's our passage, Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed. You were sealed for the day of redemption. Just, just answer with your hearts. How many of you have made a bad decision and heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Ah, you don't need to be doing that. Or you step into it and you know, Gosh, I really, or maybe, maybe you step into a place you shouldn't be. Maybe you listen to things you shouldn't listen to. Maybe you're watching things you shouldn't watch. And that spirit, that's what says grieve. That's what says suppress. I like the lid on. The Holy Spirit is living and active in us. He prompts us. He leads us. He guides us. But when you ignore that inner voice, that's, you talk about giving the devil a foothold with all the distractions that the Satan will put in front of us? If the Spirit of God says don't do it, don't do it. No matter how many friends tell you to do it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul would write it this way to the Roman church in Romans 6, 17 and 18. Once you were slaves, or you could say servants, interchangeable here. Once you were slaves to sin, think about how you were before you accepted Christ. Once you were slaves of sin, but now, once you came to Christ, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we've given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And watch, you've become servants or slaves to righteous living. It's a mindset change. 
when God through Christ has redeemed us, has changed us, and the Holy Spirit is working in us, we don't have a lot like this guy's thinking, oh no, what have I done? Some of us have gotten caught up in the consequences of our bad decisions. But hold on, there's good news because you can change it like this. You know how I know that? Because the prodigal son had a moment where he said, this is not where I belong. You know what else he's saying? This is not who I am. And I'm going to preach to somebody here today, maybe online. Your identity, if you are a child of God, is totally found in Christ. It's not what people say about you. It's not even what you believe about yourself. If you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, the word of God says your identity is hidden in Christ. And when we start thinking Christ-like, that this is who I am. I am a child of God. I am a child of the Most High King. My Father framed the universe. My Savior died for me. It gets a little easier to make good decisions over bad decisions and have better consequences. But I said, you know how I know that? Because in an instance, the prodigal son realized, this is not who I am. This is not what my father wants. And what does he say? I will get up and go back. And it's such a beautiful story. Not only does he go back, the father, you know, and I know some of you have had less than perfect fathers growing up. And you'd be scared to death to walk back. You, you prob- some of you out there probably have fathers who would read you the right act and chastise you and tell you how bad you are. But can I tell you this? Father God in heaven doesn't do that. We've got proof of it in the gospel. He's on the road looking for you to come home. He's on the road waiting to throw you a party. He falls on us and kisses our neck and says, welcome home. And when you, ha- when you start that old, same old pattern of like, oh gosh, I'm just not so worthy, he interrupts and says, hey, my son that was lost is found. He was dead. He is alive. That's the heart of our father. That's the consequence of walking in the will of God. That's the result of making good decisions and not giving the devil a foothold and not listening to this world and all of its distractions. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we've given you, for you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living, Romans 6, 17, 18. So I ask again, are you caught up in consequences? Is there something going on in your life? You know what happens to some of us? Sometimes we've made such bad decisions that it takes years to get right. And that's, that, that happens. But hear me, it can get right. He's a chain breaker. Some of you have walked around with chains way too long. Shake them off. Some of you just need to come to God and fall on his neck and on his shoulder and let him love you. But if you're you're caught up in the consequences, maybe it was a recent mistake, walk in his will, walk in his wisdom, walk in the word of God. So I love what Paul says there in Romans 6. He says, you used to be a servant to this. If you want to serve something, serve righteous living. Live righteously. Live holy, walk holy, walk like a Christian should walk. And then you won't be worried with bad decisions 
and you won't have bad consequences happen to you. I know many of you even, one of the most hurtful things is to watch those we love and even our friends. Doesn't it hurt to watch somebody just make a bad decision that you know is going to end poorly? Maybe you need to be a light to them. Maybe you need to share the word of God. Maybe you need to be a word of, you know, in the other passage in Ephesians, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but let that which builds others up. Maybe you need to build them up so they realize that the grace, the love, the forgiveness, the mercy of God is real and tangible, even to them, no matter what bad decision they made. Amen? You cannot make such a bad decision that will keep you out of the love of God. You can walk away. You can reject God. I'll clarify that. But just being in the wrong place, the wrong time, wandering, God says, come home. God says, it says he's, he's a full redemption and forgiveness. If you're struggling with consequences today, know that you don't have to. You can openly and honestly come to him with a humble heart and let it be a good consequence. Let there be reunification. Let there be restoration. Let there be reconciliation for you and God. And watch how your life can change. If you're here this morning suffering through consequences, we want to pray over you. I'm going to pray. If you need special prayer afterwards, see us or see Bill, one of our members. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you need to put on Christ in, in a newness of life. Maybe you need to confess him as Lord and Savior, be buried with him in baptism. We can assist you in that as well. But I'm going to pray, and we're going to close the lesson out, and then we're going to go into a time of communion. Pray with me. Father, in this world, as I said today, um, more so than ever, I believe, we're inundated with distractions from the enemy. And Father, we, we fail you, I fail you, with not staying in your word deep enough to recognize those traps and deceptions and distractions. And Father, sometimes we get caught up in ourselves like Absalom. We're thinking we can run our life better than you, God, but we can't. We can't. And it ended severely for Absalom. King lost a son, tragically. Father, the word of God says that you wish none would perish. You wish everybody would come to your grace and goodness and accept you for who you are, Lord God Almighty. But Father, let this message, let these passages impact us today to realize from the smallest to the largest decisions in our life, help us make wise decisions. Help us to seek your wisdom, your discernment, your clarity, so that we don't fall into bad consequences. That let us make informed, biblical, word of God decisions that lead us into your favor, to your grace, to your protection. May we never leave your providence. Cover us, guide us, protect us. May we never prohibit, suppress the Holy Spirit that the word says lives in the heart of every believer. May we hear his voice. May we follow his prompts in guiding because 
Through the Holy Spirit, you know what's best for our lives. Would you lead and guide us all the days of our life so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Thank you for our Jesus. He is our hope. We pray this in his name. Amen.